The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How are you feeling today? Are you feeling alive and energetic? or lethargic and weak. Listen to your heart. Welcome to The Healing Whisper, A Return to Peace. Your host for the hour is Dr. Marianne Chase. When we fail to understand and work on the root cause of our stress and illness, we seem to be in a never-ending spiral of poor health and low energy. It's time to re-harness that potential in order to live a better life. Now, here's Dr. Marianne. Hello and welcome to the show. This is Dr. Marianne Chase and I am so glad to have you with me today. I will be having a very special guest today with me and his name is Michael Cohan. He is a yogi and I will just stop right there and just go on to some other things that are very important before we get started. And uh, that is how you can get in touch with me. You can connect with me on my Facebook page, The Healing Whisper, as well as Twitter, LinkedIn, and my website, thehealingwhisper.com. And I really think it's very important to remind you about heading on over to Voice America. TV after this show is done and check out my videos there. I've got two different sets of videos, one about the gardening show, the mindful gardening show, as well as the healing codes, custom guided healing codes going on there. And today a video is being posted about my show last week on joy. And so you can follow along with that custom guided healing code about joy just by tuning in to voiceamerica.tv, of course, after this show is over. I'd also like everybody to know that this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not intended to treat, diagnose, heal, or cure anything. Everything contained in this show is strictly the opinion of myself, Dr. Mary Ann Chase, and today my guest, Michael Cohen. Always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any concerns that you may have. Welcome to the show, Michael. I am so glad to have you with me today. Hey, Dr. Chase. It's really good to be here, and I'm excited to have a great conversation with you. How are you? I am doing absolutely great. I want to let everybody know a little bit about you before we head into that conversation. So let me just read your bio here. And uh, it's Michael Cohan or Makunda Chandra Das, as affectionately known as Makunda, is dedicated to helping his clients and students find balance in all aspects of their lives, which, whether it's emotional, spiritual, mental, or physical well-being. 
Makunda is a certified health coach, certified life coach, a 500-hour registered yoga teacher, certified Vedic Thai yoga bodywork practitioner who works with others to help them restore balance in their lives by helping them to make healthier and more conscious lifestyle choices. True harmony is achieved through developing a balanced cooperation between mind, body, and soul. Living in this world can be tough times, but when we learn simple spiritual tools for healing and maintenance, life can be much easier. Makunda's goal is to help clients and students to discover the skills to help them move forward in all areas of their lives. Makunda feels that his purpose is to serve others through his teaching by encouraging students and clients to become steadfast in their own practices while integrating spiritual and mindful living into their day-to-day lives. Makunda met his spiritual mentor, Guru, H.H. Radhantha Swami after several years of formal study under his guru, which included systematic reading of spiritual texts, dedicated practice of mantra meditation, rising early for morning services, and regulating his cooking and diet. He received formal initiation into his spiritual lineage in 2013. So that's a mouthful. It's quite the bio and I'm sure there's quite a bit more involved in that. So let's just start at the beginning. Makunda, how did you land into this journey of your life? Uh, You know, I took my first yoga class when I was in college. And this was in 1995. This is when yoga was not really mainstream. It was a little like part of a fringe culture. It was very crunchy. People smelled. I was one of those (laughs) smelly people. And that's where I started my yoga journey. I didn't really ever really take it serious as a lifestyle choice or a way to heal my body and kind of unravel my mind to tap into my higher self, my, like my true self, that is like, you know, being a spiritual being, until after I went through a period of hardship in my late 20s, early 30s, my, I got divorced. I was 29 years old. I got divorced. A year later, my stepfather lost his uh, life due to cancer, and I found myself in an overstressed, overworked environment, really angry with the world, very toxic having a lot of physical pain, walking upstairs, couldn't breathe, trouble sleeping at night. And my best friend uh, told me that I needed to go see a therapist as a way to kind of cope with some anger issues and anxiety issues. So I went to go see a therapist in New York City who luckily was a really interesting guy who was a little bit more new age, just kind of, I just fell into it. And he recommended that I... Uh, go to yoga regularly as a way to cope with my stress and my health issues. And I went to this really nice yoga studio in New York City called the Jeeva Mukti Yoga Center, where people took yoga very seriously and never really was part of a culture of people that lived the lifestyle of yoga. Everybody there seemed really beautiful, really healthy, and really vibrant. And I mm. just fell in love with the community. And through being a part of that yoga community, I met 
certain key individuals like my mentor, Joshua Green, who brought me on a spiritual path of yoga that led me to my spiritual teacher, His Holiness Radhanath Swami, and then that led me to become a, a yogi. Well, that's that's quite the adventure. And um, <clears throat> you have said things along the line um, that really caught my attention in that yoga as a spiritual practice. Now, I know in my history and upbringing, when I first learned about yoga, it was not in a positive point of view. It was in a very negative thing that if you as a Christian, a practicing Christian, practice mm-hmm. yoga, even just as an exercise, you're, you're going to be sent right straight to hell. <laughs> And gateway, I know yeah. that's not Yoga true the now. To the devil. Yeah, and I know that's not true. But so how do you approach that particular mindset, as it were? Well, I understand where that teaching came from. And that teaching came from as old as British ruling India in the 17th and 18th century. And the, um, the ban on people in the United States entering the United States from countries like India up into the 1960s. And that's where that culture came from, where these Westerners, Americans, and British would go to India and they would see uh, yoga as a mystic art where people would practice yoga and then they would go into these temples and they would worship these statues as, you know, a form of divinity and then come home and talk about it. And in the Judeo-Christian background, due to the story of the Bible, the, you know, the, one of the greatest sins of the Israelites was the creation of the golden calf and mm-hmm. worshiping idols. So I understand <laughs> that's where it comes from. And that's why people, when they don't have the education of what yoga really is, that's what they will say yoga is a path to the devil. Because I in see. the Eastern tradition... Deity worship is a way to connect God to a physical connection, just like the cross or um, other forms of worship of God in the West. So that's why that belief comes from. It's a well, understanding of yoga. <clears throat> yeah, you had said something much earlier to me, mm-hmm. which I really appreciated, was that Yoga is a spiritual practice, and it doesn't matter what your spirituality is, whether whatever, Buddhism, Hinduism, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, So, in any spiritual practice, when the intention behind the physical practice of yoga is to connect to your faith or tradition, yoga translates as union or to yoke which means to bring union into your life, both within the trinity of the mind, the body, and the soul. So if you are practicing yoga as a spiritual practice and you are a Christian, then you bring the teachings of Christianity and the essence of Jesus into your yoga practice. And what is the greatest message of the Bible? To love thy neighbor, to be kind to other people, to not, to, to, to not cause violence, but to have compassion. And that's what it means to practice yoga. And it doesn't have to be you have to be a Christian or a Jew or have a particular faith, but to understand that there is something more 
and greater than you as an individual in this world, that your life has a purpose and to understand that purpose through practicing yoga, breathing, and learning to live a more peaceful life. And that's when it becomes spiritual. Okay. A lot of people see yoga as a, an extraordinarily difficult physical uh, exercise. But from mm-hmm. what you're saying, it, it's, it is exercise and it is a body thing, but it is more than that. Um, I know that I personally find some of those yoga positions kind of pretzel-like. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Something that I'm personally not sure I could ever achieve. Uh, do you have, find people have difficulty with some of those yoga positions? Yeah, including myself. I've been practicing yoga now since for like 20 years. I'm 40. And as my body's aging, I can't do certain poses that I could do 10 years ago. I used to be able to do a press-up handstand into an arm balance, and I can't do that anymore. And I used to be able, and I personally, due to, you know, working in corporate America for 10 years, I have a little arthritis in my lower back, so I can't do really deep back bends because then I hurt my back. So there are, there are definitely yoga poses that aren't good for one person, but are really good for another person. The problem is yoga used to be taught in an individual standpoint of a, you were the student and you had a teacher and you practiced with the teacher one-on-one and due to yoga becoming more mainstream and turning more into a fitness-oriented practice, not saying that's a bad thing, yoga has turned into more of a group-oriented practice where a teacher is teaching in a room and calling out a pose that always necessarily isn't the best thing for you as a person. And so it's hard as a yoga teacher to teach yoga at times in a group mixed-level class where someone is maybe has some injuries that maybe would cause a little bit of harm to the person and the teacher's not aware of it or qualified to work with that individual. And so the responsibility has to fall on both the student and the teacher to find balance within a practice so they don't hurt themselves. And certain pretzel poses might not (laughs) serve your end goal. i give you a simple example. If you're a runner, okay, the body is designed to be the most efficient it can be. And if you're a runner, one of the things that you need to have as a runner, you want to have tighter hips so you have less range of motion so you can run longer distances. And the more open your hips are, the more that your stride will be longer, the more energy it will take you to get to, you know, to run. So if you practice yoga as a runner, you need to find that balance between having a really open hip and having a really tight hip. Because if your hips are too tight as a runner, you begin to hurt your back typically. So when you go to a yoga class, you have to understand what your end goal is within your practice. Uh, based on what other forms of exercise you do or lifestyle choices. I I hope that is clear there. Yeah, it is. And uh, it's especially clear in that for a person to really learn the practice of yoga well, Mm -hmm. it needs to be really of a one-on-one situation. Because otherwise... 
Otherwise, it might be a class. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, It might be just in a classroom situation where you might be doing more harm than good. It depends on the person. And as a practitioner of yoga and as a teacher, I do work with my students without charging them before or after class. And not every yoga teacher will do that. And I'll meet with students and be like, what is your goal? What are you trying to do here? So we can figure out a safer way to do what you're trying to do. And I have students that come to my class that are brand new to yoga and they can't even touch their knees because they've been sitting in a idle state for 20 years and then they go see a chiropractor and they start working with a chiropractor or for a physical therapist and they add yoga as a way to help alleviate some sort of pain or ailment. And then they show up at a yoga studio and they're overwhelmed and they go to like level one classes and they're really boring. So then they try to mix all the classes and they're really hard. And so for people that are new to yoga, I always encourage them to do both mixed level and level one classes that you, until you really start to really have a good understanding of body awareness, you don't just want to do the mixed level classes and hurt yourself. You want to understand the foundations at the same time. How do you like stand properly? How to do weight bearing poses properly? How to move properly that you're not going to necessarily pick up in a mixed level class. Okay. Yeah, that that sounds really great. You know, we are really close to time for our break. So let's just go ahead and take our break a little bit early. And when we come back, I want to ask you how to connect yoga with your own particular spiritual practice. So folks, don't go away. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you feeling stuck? Sometimes we just need a little help from a friend. Go beyond ordinary healing and experience the extraordinary healing journey possible with custom Healing Code Coaching with Dr. Marianne Chase. Visit TheHealingWhisper.com. Dr. Chase's coaching sessions can be conducted via Skype or by telephone. If you have half an hour to devote to getting yourself out of that rut, Dr. Marianne is ready to be that friend. Visit TheHealingWhisper.com and click Coaching. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with hosts Nancy Kerala and Dr. Chandrabali Ghosh. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and the founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. And Dr. Ghosh is the chairperson of research and development for the C. diff Foundation. Together with their guests, we'll explore infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to The Healing Whisper, a return to peace. If you would like to comment or have a question about our show today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. If you'd rather send an email, our email address is thehealingwhisper at mindspring.com. Now back to the show. 
Welcome back to the show. This is Dr. Mary Ann Chase, and my special guest today is Michael Cohan, or better known as, or affectionately known as, Makunda. And we are talking about the practice of yoga. Just before the break, I wanted Michael to go into how to combine that practice of yoga physically for the fitness that a lot of people use yoga for into the spiritual practice. And personally, I I see that spiritual part of yoga is, is kind of put on the shelf. And wasn't yoga really originally developed as a spiritual practice? Yes, yoga was originally developed as a spiritual practice to connect your physical body to the spiritual world. And one of my favorite teachings is a teacher that I really like listening to, Rob Bell, who always says that you as a human are meant to be spiritual beings living in the material world rather than material beings trying to find spirituality. And yoga is a gateway to find spirituality while living in the material world that the practice of yoga, the practice of living spiritually, is when you go to your yoga class and you go into, you know, a studio or a fitness center, not all, the first thing that you have to recognize is not all practice of yoga is going to be spiritual. That it depends on the teacher teaching yoga. And for those that are wanting to make yoga more of a spiritual practice, you have to really be mindful of who you're studying with. That if you go into a class, and the teacher is just like, okay, let's um, and then I'm going to put on some pop music, and we're going to work out for an hour, and you're going to walk out the door afterwards. Is not necessarily spiritual, because the intention is not spiritual. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing to start there, because that's where I started my yoga practice, was in a gym, in a fitness right. class. But then I began to explore the deeper aspects of yoga. When my teacher said to me, yoga is a spiritual practice, I was always like, what does that mean that yoga is a spiritual practice? I don't understand. And so the next step as a person who wants to understand that spiritual practice of yoga is to begin to read and study the text of yoga. And the main text of yoga is what's called the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, which is a book that is written, I think, like 1,500 years ago that basically spreads the philosophy of yoga. And in the, in the second verse, Patanjali says, through the sensations of the fluctuation of the mind, one obtains the perfection of yoga. So then as the practitioner of yoga, then you begin to, under, to, begin to explore what that means. And that's where the spirituality begins. How can I no longer suffer from the high points and low points of life? What does it mean to be a human being? How can I live in this world? And what does it mean to, what is divinity? When you begin to contemplate that, that's when yoga becomes spiritual. So then when you go practicing to practice yoga, with the understanding that you're trying to figure out what's going on in your mind, you go on your yoga mat, and you move through the postures, and you focus on breathing, and you let your mind relax. And then your mind unravels, and you begin to see how you live your life. What areas of your life are toxic? relationships, job, diet, and you begin to explore those areas of your life and you go, oh, okay, maybe I have a toxic relationship. I'm practicing yoga 
and a teacher tells me I'm supposed to cause the least amount of harm and I have a toxic relationship. You go, oh, I'm not a very good husband or wife. Then you go and find a therapist to work with on building a better relationship while you practice yoga. And you can begin to explore. And then, you have a be- then hopefully you heal your relationship. Then you start to lose some weight and you begin to go, oh, I'm not eating that well. And you start to develop a healthy diet. And you go find somebody to work with on how to develop healthy eating habits. Then you have those two areas of your life more in harmony. And then maybe you don't really like your job. So then you begin to explore how to find a better work environment. So then when you have better relationships, a healthier diet, and a better working environment, and you feel grounded, that's when after those things are starting to be fixed, you can then begin to explore your connection to divinity, to that higher sense of purpose. And that's what it means to have a spiritual practice. And it starts with this showing up on your yoga mat and learning to breathe and to start to think about how you live your life and the junk that goes on in your mind, those self-doubts, those negative thought patterns. When we compare and contrast to the world around us and think that we're not good enough because TV and media says to live in fear and to, you know, to buy this thing that we can't afford, to live in a house that we can't afford, to drive the car we can't afford, to constantly try to strive for happiness through material possessions rather than building positive relationships and a healthy lifestyle. And that's what makes yoga spiritual. Right. And, and so... What I'm hearing you say, and and now you can correct me if I'm kind of getting this wrong. You may not Mm -hmm. be able to use yoga in your yoga class as a spiritual practice, but you can take that home with you. And when you do, say, some sort of a position Mm -hmm. that allows you to really go into the spiritual realm and explore the images in your heart um, of, say, that toxic relationship or that toxic job or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. That's where it becomes a spiritual practice. Not necessarily in the gym during the music thumping away loudly. (laughs) There's... Yeah, there's something about the practice of yoga that I wish I could really understand, but I just know it does it. That through this series of postures and breathing, that the basic fundamental belief of yoga is you're not the body and you're not the mind, that you're something more, that you're the soul. That you're something that there's a spark of energy that lies within the center of your physical body that is who you really are. And the practice of yoga is to clean away the mud and the dirt from the lens of seeing who you really are to connect to that deeper sense of the, of the soul. And so that's like the goal. And something happens when you're practicing yoga that when you go through the poses and you like either do like what's called like a forward fold, like you fold over your legs and you get that like hamstring stretch. Now, there's two types of pain that you'll typically experience in that hamstring stretch. The first one is a physical pain that is like you're stretching and it hurts physically. And then there is a mental pain. The mental pain of that stretch or that pose, that's not related to that physical pain. That's where the spirituality comes in. Because what we believe as yogis is like when we fold, we believe that all our emotions and our memories are stored in our body 
that the body's this big giant computer database built up of our karma in this lifetime and pre- previous lifetimes. And our brain is our central processing unit or our Intel chip. And our soul is the person typing on the computer to interact, interact with the world. And so when we fold forward and we try to touch our toes and we get into that pain center and then we have this mental pain, like this sharp mental pain, that's experiencing past emotions and past relationships. And then you have these memories come up that don't serve you and you don't know why they come up in yoga. And then you begin to examine them and see what's going on. And then, so that happens in multiple different postures. And that's how yoga is spiritual when you are open to understanding that as a practice. Well, that, that is certainly fascinating because not only, as you said, do you not know how that works, but uh, we don't know how many things in the world of energy and energy medicine work. We just know it works. It, this kind of, in my opinion, a bit of uh, a fault with our um, left brain Western culture in that mm-hmm. we, we are a little bit too analytical sometimes. And, you know, how does that work? Exactly. How is that aspirin that you're tossing in the back of your throat and swallowing? How does that work? Well, we don't no, really, we don't know. So um, that that's uh, that's very, shall we say, soothing to um, learn that about yoga. That you can just actually by letting go while you're doing the poses, whether you're in the gym or in the class, you can learn something by being open to the messages that your body wants to send to you. And that's what yoga does. So the thing that yoga, the the struggle with yoga in the West, with both the Eastern philosophy of yoga and the practice of yoga, is you can't put yoga in a box. There's no, like, black, like, check this box, uh, this is what yoga is. Yoga is the one tradition that I know of that will confuse, confound, and contradict everything and everybody about yoga. So what I'm saying about yoga and my knowledge of yoga, is, and I'm pretty respected in the yoga in, you know, community as a teacher, there will be somebody that I'm friends with that I also value as a teacher that will contradict what I say. And the practice of yoga, both in the Eastern philosophy, the religion, and the culture is, I might be right, Dr. Chase. You might be right. We both might be right, or we both might be wrong. Let's not worry about it. And let's just try to do what's best for ourselves and the people around us. And that is something you, you can't put into a box. And so that's what we, it's really hard in Western culture where we have black and white beliefs. That yoga is more of a gray, purple, orange, and blue uh, concept that contradicts and complements its philosophy and teachings all at the same time. Right. Well, one of the things that you said just a bit ago that uh, really fascinated me was that uh, the belief is that all of our... um, negative beliefs and everything is in the entire body and uh, Mm -hmm. you know we actually do have some science now that is beginning to show that 
as a physical truth that our memories, our energies, our beliefs, mm-hmm. it, it's through our entire body. I would like to kind of digress just a little bit from the spiritual practice of yoga into the actual physical practice of yoga. You mentioned that uh, you suffer from a little problem in your back. Now, I was under the assumption, and this may be incorrect, that yoga will help people heal some of these physical problems that they're experiencing because of either injuries or what have you. Well, yes, yes and no. Um, The injury I have in my lower back will never be repaired completely. I have uh, arthritis in my L5S4 discs. S1, S2, excuse me, S1, S2, L5 <laughs> disc. And basically due to sitting at a desk in a very bad way with a rounded back carrying two laptops for 10 years, I caused compression in my discs. And so I have less synomial fluid in my discs due to that in my lower back. So I suffer from a little, if I, I suffer from lower, like arthritis in my lower back, I get just, I get like a tighter, my back gets really stiff very easily. So I'm never going to be able to repair that. The damage is done. I have to live with that for the rest of my life. What yoga has done for me, it has taught me how to ground my feet properly. So I'm pressing down on my feet in all four corners of my feet. So I'm not pressing down on the outside of my feet, which is called uh, supinating. I don't externally turn my feet out so I don't walk like a duck. I have straight neutral feet. I've learned to ground my feet properly so I can activate my glutes, which I can then learn to engage my belly and pull my shoulders up and back. So as I live my life now, my belly's engaged, my glutes or my butt's engaged, so my back is no longer being used to support myself, so I no longer have back problems. I can't repair the damage, but I've learned to activate my body in a proper way so I don't hurt myself anymore and I don't add to the damage. And so I will, I will have trouble at times sitting on the floor, but I'm no longer having pain in my lower back. That is what yoga did for me. But a lot of injuries with yoga is due to people not knowing, like a lot of people's physical ailments, just through my experience, and I'm not a doctor, but as a yoga <laughs> teacher and a, you know, a Thai body work and a yin yoga teacher, I find that a lot of people come to yoga with me and they're like, they suffer from lower back pain or they have hip problems or they have shoulder problems isn't due to any sort of like physical injury. It's due to the fact that they're either too strong and they don't have a good range of motion or they're too flexible and they don't have enough strength to match their flexibility. And so what yoga will do will either teach you how to open up your shoulders because when your shoulders are open and up and back, you're no longer using your lower back to stand up. Or it will help lengthen your hamstrings so you can activate your glutes when you're doing an activity so you're no longer hurting your hip flexors. And these are generic diagnoses. But that's usually what I find in 80% of the people that come to my classes that are hurt. It's either they don't know how to use their butt or they don't know how to pull their shoulders back. Well, that's a general, that's, that's just like, that's, 90% is just like teaching people how to stand, pressing down on the big toe, learning how to use your butt, 
and pulling their shoulders up and back, and I find most ailments go away. Right. Yeah. Now, so this this is really applicable to anybody, whether they're at a desk job or standing up type job or whatever. It's just mm-hmm. learning how to stand properly and breathe. What does breath have to do with the whole practice of yoga? So in Eastern yoga, so in, so in Western philosophy and Western medicine, and we as Westerners believe life begins with the heartbeat and ends with the heartbeat. So this is in yoga, the teaching of yoga, which is called, and breath is called pranayama. Life begins on the inhale and life ends on the exhale. And prana or pranayama is the life force of the physical body. And so what breath does, it does two things. So what's, from a physical standpoint, when you learn how to breathe properly, where you learn how to breathe in through the belly, lift the diaphragm and expand the chest, that means you're able to use your body to open up, expand your body and send oxygen through your body more efficiently, which means you have better blood flow, you have your nervous system is, is active, you have better digestion, so you're able to digest your food better. And so then you're able to then expand and feel better when you breathe. So when you have shallow breath, what happens? As from a, you, your nervous system is activated and, is, and it's all, up to, all on fire. Your muscles contract and you're, they're, they're all pulled together. And then your body isn't able to move properly. And when you breathe, you're able to expand and loosen the muscles and activate your body in a more proper way. Then it goes to the mental. As the saying goes, the mind follows the breath, or the breath follows the mind. And so as a yoga practitioner, we believe that the mind is the navigator, not the pilot. And when we learn to breathe properly, we're able to control the mind, and then we're able to live healthier and be able to use our body in a way that doesn't cause us to harm. We, don't, we learn not to hurt ourselves, and that's what the breath teaches. That's, uh, that's pretty um, actually profound, uh, particularly anybody who has a meditation-type practice, no matter what type of meditation they are doing. Breathing is so important, which uh, what you said just a little bit ago, that uh, taking in the breath is breathing in the life and uh, exhaling is is the little death. (laughs) So what does that say about a person who has sleep apnea? But on on that note, it is actually time for a break. So folks, don't go away. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you feeling stuck? Sometimes we just need a little help from a friend. Go beyond ordinary healing and experience the extraordinary healing journey possible with custom Healing Code Coaching with Dr. Marianne Chase. Visit TheHealingWhisper.com. Dr. Chase's coaching sessions can be conducted via Skype or by telephone. If you have half an hour to devote to getting yourself out of that rut, Dr. Marianne is ready to be that friend. Visit TheHealingWhisper.com and click Coaching. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to The Healing Whisper, a return to peace. If you would like to comment or have a question about our show today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. If you'd rather send an email, our email address is thehealingwhisper at mindspring.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the show. This is Dr. Marianne Chase, and today's special guest is Michael Cohan, or affectionately known as Makunda. And uh, today we are talking about yoga. Just before the break, we spoke a bit about breathing and how important it is not only to breathe uh, because you know if you're not breathing you're not living but uh, to breathe correctly before I get into my next question Michael how can people get in touch with you and more importantly for the people that live in other parts of the world than where you live why would they want to get in touch with you well, most people can find me if they just go to my website, yourwellnessyogi.com. And that's all my information's there. Uh, I have a weekly blog. So summertime, so I'm slowing down a little bit in the weekly blog. They can find my podcast where I have life lessons and I have information on yoga, Ayurvedic nutrition, six human needs psychology. And so it's a very good website with a lot of tools and a lot of free information. If they go to my website, yourwellnessyogi.com backslash the healing whisperer, I offer a free gift to your audience where they can basically take what's called a circle of life quiz. It's really simple. It takes less than two minutes. And it's basically a, a pie chart where they can find out where areas of their life are in balance. And then they can begin to understand areas where they need to improve. Anybody who has any questions about yoga, how to get started in yoga, spirituality, healthy living. I'm here as a resource for people. I always will get on the phone with someone. I'm very accessible still. Um, and my goal is to always be accessible for people. Um, my, I had some really uh, heavy-duty mentors in my life that you know are sort of moderately famous. And uh, they always gave, were there for me. And I wasn't always a paying client of theirs. And so because I was able to have all these great people in my life, I always will try to pay that forward for people and offer free advice whenever I can. So well, please reach out abs- to me. I'm here to help. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. And um, so now this this kind of leads me into the the question for our audience. Um, there are people out there that are saying, yeah, I'm in a corporate job. I, it's a toxic job. I don't like it. Not only is the job toxic, but maybe the building is toxic and the people around me are toxic. 
you got out of corporate America and to build a health and wellness business. Uh, Mm -hmm. You did it from scratch with no investment, uh, initial investment. And maybe the person stuck in a corporate job wants to do something else. Maybe maybe they really want to go out and become an artist or a musician who, who's an artist. But um, how did you do it? Not so much how, but mentally. That's the tough thing because we all say, oh, I can't afford to do this. Yeah, well, I mean, I fell on my face, Dr. Chase. I failed when I left my corporate job to become a yoga teacher. But it was the greatest thing that happened to me. I was also fortunate that I didn't have any responsibilities. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have kids. It was just me. So when I failed, I ended up having to move home and start all over from scratch with no money. That's where I began to look at who I was as a person and become a life coach. If I had to do it over again, I would not have jumped from a corporate to become a yoga teacher and a life coach. I would make a pivot and I would incorporate teaching yoga and go to school for life coaching while having my full-time job. I know there's a trend in uh, the world right now that people are working in nine to five jobs in toxic environments and the, the, the message is quit your job and become an entrepreneur and you'll be happy. I work six days a week. I hustle. I start my days at 6 a.m. and I end my days at 9 p.m. I didn't become a yoga teacher and a life coach because I wasn't happy with my job. I actually liked my job. I actually I liked the people I worked with. They were decent people. I just didn't fit into the culture anymore and my value shifted and I wanted to pursue a different part of a different goal. I was more into yoga and spirituality and that integration and being a yoga teacher was just my calling after 15 years of corporate America. This is a really remarkable time in the world that there are so many different communities and cultures out there that you don't have to quit working for corporate America to work in an environment that is more in line with who you are. There are tons of jobs out there that, and there's a tons of socially economic companies that are more aligned with you as a person on a spiritual practice. Cause I'm assuming people that listen to a show like yours are more in line with spirituality, environmentally, environmentally conscious, socially conscious, care about the food they eat, care about their lifestyle choices. But guess what? There are tons of companies out there that have that background. They need lawyers. They need accountants. They need office managers. So unless you have a desire to be an entrepreneur, don't quit your job. Find a job that's more in line with your values, and you can do that today. That's, my, that's more of what my message would be than jumping, jumping ship and trying to be, like, start something from scratch. It was really mm-hmm. hard, and I wouldn't do it again if, and everything. I mean, I learned a lot. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I do work with people... You know, I, uh, and I do have some clients that I work with that are also life coaches and yoga teachers, and I do kind of teach them how to build businesses. And what I always recommend is, you know, you have to fill your brain with business knowledge to be an entrepreneur. There are great radio shows and podcasts on building a business. There are tons of books. You just have to feed your brain, pick something that somebody says, apply it, see if it works. If it doesn't, move on. 
and you and you just keep figuring it out. That's my message, and that's how I did it. So now, why is the change that people know in their hearts that they need to make the change? Why is it so difficult? Uh, you know, change, change is the hardest thing, I think, for anybody. And this is why, you know, this is why people need people like you and I in the, their worlds and their lives to help them grow as a person. This is why I'm a life coach. Change, right. in my opinion, is really hard is because you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with, okay? And people identify themselves typically in three categories. What they do for a living, their community, which is like their friends and family, and their, their religious or cultural background. I'm a Christian or I'm, you know, English or I'm, you know, I'm Muslim or I'm, I'm Indian or I'm Japanese. And so everybody's okay with change or growth when two of their backgrounds are secure. But when, when only one of their backgrounds are secure, change becomes really hard. Follow me so far. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. Absolute sense. So okay. uh, if, you're, if you're changing, say, from your, your religious or faith-based background plus your uh, social background uh, and your job, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> it creates a large amount of uncertainty in your life. And not, uncertainty for most people is really scary because as, human, as humans, we have had, due to 5,000 years of evolution, the goal, our whole purpose in life was to find certainty. Roof overhead, food on the table, shelter. We as people in our culture don't realize that the last 20 years of life has not been the norm. Up until the 1970s and 1980s, the majority of the world was still trying to just survive. That we, we, the, there, was not a, there was no internet there was no World Health Organization. There was, there was no, like, non-for-profit charity organizations building schools around the world. Most people lived in a state of constant survival, including in America. So it's not just, you know, um, you know, so now we live in a world where most people in the world live better than 99% of the people in the world 100 years ago. So this is a new pro- profound point in our human evolution where most of us have a roof over our head, food on the table, shelter, some sort of job, and inf- access to information in this world readily available for virtually no money. So then you begin to contemplate, what's my purpose in life? And so that's where it starts to get hard. And so when you want to change and you say, I don't want to live this particular way, I don't like the job I have, I don't like the building I work in, but... My friends all work there, and I want to grow as a person, and I go home to my community, and my community identifies with that work environment also, and I say, you know what, I want to go and work in a more organic environment, maybe, you know, work for a company that cares about, like, you know, the nutrition, and, you know, the people look a little weird, and I want to change the people you surround yourself don't want you to change because they also identify with their community, which you're a part of. So then when you begin to grow as a person, you're attacking their community. So they prevent you from growing. 
So that's where change gets so hard is because the people you surround yourself with don't want you to grow. Now, as a, if you're on a spiritual path and you want to grow as a person, you have to understand that there are three types of friends or three types of people in this world that you surround yourself with. The first one are your permanent friends or family. These are the people that only are going to see you one way, no matter who you are as a person. So your mom is only going to see you at a certain age, whether you were imprinted in her mind at 12, 14, 16, 20, whatever. My mom still sees me as a, as a 12-year-old kid. So when I'm over <laughs> her house and some sort of silverware go, goes missing for some reason, she immediately thinks I did it because I used to throw silverware out as a kid. If I walk <laughs> in the house and silverware is missing, she thinks it's me. Meanwhile, the knife's behind the, the, the knife is hidden behind you know, the knife block because you know, my sister's kids put it back there by accident, but she blames it on me because my mom only sees <laughs> me a certain way. The second types of friends you have are your temporary friends. These are the people that you have in your life at any particular moment in life, your college friends, your work friends. Sometimes you have these friends for a long period of time, but they're only temporary because they fit your lifestyle. Then you have very few people have the third category of friends, and these are your change friends. These are the people that cheer on growth, that cheer on personal development, that are always taking on new projects, always thinking outside the box, always trying to grow as an individual. And change friend people hang out with other change-like people, and they like change people, but they're, they're a very rare category. So when you go from wanting to change as a person, your permanent friends and your temporary friends are not going to allow you to do this. And you have to accept the fact that you might not have those people in your life anymore. And you right. have to accept the fact that if you grow, you might go through a period of loneliness and isolation until you find a new group of people that fit into the cultural environment that you're trying to become. Right. Unless you're lucky and you have a few change friends that will cheer you on and be friends with you no matter who or what you do. And that's why change is so hard. Yeah. Well, it makes a lot of sense. Well, unfortunately, Michael, we have come close to time for the end of the show. I would like to remind everybody that you can connect with me on Facebook, The Healing Whisper page, as well as Twitter, LinkedIn, and my website, thehealingwhisper.com. And uh, before we depart, uh, do you have anything that you would like to let people no, Michael. You know, I always say anybody who's listening to this show that is looking to grow or heal, start with breathing and learning to live more mindfully. That I challenge everybody to learn to meditate. And it doesn't have to be complicated. There are two great apps out there. One is called Calm and the other one is called uh, Headspace that there are free downloads on iTunes or Android, and just take the next 30 days to learn how to meditate. And see that, and I promise, if you take 30 days to learn how to meditate first thing in the morning, whatever challenges that you're going through, your life will begin to get better, guaranteed. That's how meditation works. That, I'm not saying that your life will be great and you'll know all our problems, but you'll begin to understand how to go heal through the practice of meditation. That when I was going through a rough time and I was in a really bad place, when I was 30 years old, I was a functional drug addict, an alcoholic, overworked, underpaid, like I got paid really well, but overworked, toxic relationships, death in the family, divorce. My teacher said to me, you're not your problems. 
Your problem well, Michael, that's great. You know, it's time for the end of the show, and <laughs> I <laughs> want to Sorry. let everybody know that above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And until next week, blessings. Thank you again for taking the advice of your heart and tuning in to the healing whisper, a return to peace. Please join your host, Dr. Marianne Chase, again next Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to talk to you again next week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america health and wellness channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericahealth.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network it's staff and management.